You are listening to the TF Cast, a Mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. This podcast was recorded May 5th of 2021. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TF Cast. Today with us, we have illustrator James Mackey with his uh, new book, Faster Than Speed. Uh, based off a series of paintings he put together, and it's going to be a charity project. James, uh, tell us about the paintings, yourself, and the charity. Start with you. Um, how'd you. How'd you come into the project, and uh, what made you want to do the charity work? Um, this last year, I mean, obviously, everyone's kind of been trying to find some meaning in all the madness, and uh, tried to find something to keep myself occupied, and at the same time feel like I'm doing some good in the world. Um, so I decided um, to play to my strengths, and um, I started by dra- um, basically drafting about a dozen different short stories. Um, this went through a lot of iterations, but in the end, I got through about figured I needed about thirty-four paintings to do a thirty-four-page book, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I kind of wrote the story up. I uh, got everything sketched out, painted for about six months, um, did all the layout and design myself and um got them all printed up so the the paintings came before the story um kind of in the same time mostly i I, the story was pretty much there but obviously it needed a lot of ironing out right on Mm -hmm. one of the one of the things people might notice right away if they if they check it out um it's a it's a fantasy story there's a lot of interesting creatures yes um can you can you tell people or just tell us a little bit about the 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 creatures and and maybe where those might have come from (laughs) i think that that's kind of an interesting uh an element that you added there it's very fun well growing up i was a big fan of jim henson and the dark crystal labyrinth and all that stuff and it it shows a lot i'm sure in Mm -hmm. my paintings um i love lots of strange creatures and weird little detailed hairy things um the main character um his name's Emberly. Uh, it's kind of an unnamed species, but they're kind of like a rabbit slash insect slash creature. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was wondering if if that was an exoskeleton. Yeah, they're kind of a odd mix of things. Um, I tried to keep them as cute as possible, though. <laughs> um, don't want to scare the kids too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but he rides a. Uh, it's a large creature called a flurf. It's kind of a cross between a T Rex, a cat, and an ankylosaur. Um, but um, it's he, he rides it. He's, it's a very fast creature. And he uses it to carry um, goods to his village. Uh, but of course, things go wrong. So yeah, and the, the what what was your uh, what was your what was your inspiration for the um, this hibernation process? It's so it's so <laughs> it's so sudden. Well, it needed something that could really drive the plot, and mm-hmm. it struck me before that. I mean, if if you have a cat, you know they can just kind of zonk out on a dime without, you know, too much warning. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I thought it kind of struck me as a little funny that if you're you're right along and suddenly your mount just falls asleep underneath you and you're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that would happen. <laughs> so, um, with with this book, like, what is? And, and I'm sorry if you just already said it right at the beginning. Like, how do, how does one? decide that it's important to to write a book like this and 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 uh, put it out in the world in this format um i mean i've i've 
been in publishing before and okay. I've worked with children's books and it's something I am comfortable with and something I enjoy doing. I mean, I've always loved kids books, obviously, since I was a kid. Um, and I, I enjoyed reading to my kids when they were little and it's just something that's kind of, it's, it's felt natural to do. Okay. What, what does some of your other publishing work look like? Um, it tends to be young adult oriented. Um, I, I do like doing lots of heavy illustrations in my work, obviously, but it doesn't make for um, easy to produce. It's like cheaply, especially mm -hmm. if you have full color illustrations in a book. Um, you can There's print on demand services you can do, but they tend to be black and white oriented. Um, so a lot of my other stuff that I've published is black and white. So I've got a series called um, The House of Ichabod Strange, which is a series of short stories and they're about a janitor who lives in a creepy old house. But um, that's that's kind of, it's in the vein of Emilia Bedelia, if you're familiar with those old stories. Um, but just little short, goofy stories. Um, I've got another, uh, a young adult novel called Burning the Deadbeats. It's about a kid who discovers a bunch of monsters living in his basement and they have a rock band. Oh, I think I saw the cover art for that on your website. Yeah, it's, I've had in some art shows before, and but yeah, it's one of the things I've done. That sounds what, like a fun one. What a uh, what was your original draw to you know getting into this like style of illustration and um, like is it something you went to school for or just a skill you developed? Um, I went to school to be a graphic designer. And um, I took all the art classes in high school and stuff like that, but I wasn't really passionate about it for a long time. Um, and then about 10 years ago, I just I started having a lot more fun with it. I kind of fell in with some people that were artists as well and um, kind of encouraged me. Um, but uh, it just, I, yeah, I just, I've always loved fantasy art. I just didn't have the practice or expertise to do much with it until I really took the time to, learn how to do it properly is that like a is that like a world building thing or is this like a like a fine arts like a, a, a skill um a world building sort of thing mm. it, this is all by the seat of the pants okay mm -hmm. I, yeah it, it's uh it's it's pretty interesting to like you know from the start of the book to the end of the book it's kind of like you, you start to feel more at home in in the world and i when i was reading it i i wondered like you know is this part of a series or you know some other you know, possibly uh, if, if any other thing had been written in this universe oh. or if it just existed solely and faster than speed. At this time, it's the f only, but I'm certainly not going to rule out doing more with it. Mm -hmm. um, so the, like all of the names and the, the species and, <laughs> and things like that, that's all. Yeah, they could certainly go elsewhere. Um, all the creatures were just kind of, they seemed to fit the drawings I did of them originally. And the main character, his name is, I mean, incidental. I named him after Ed Emberley, the kids' book illustrator, just as a placeholder, but it just kind of fit him, so I stuck with it. Mm -hmm. um, so tell, let's let's get back a little bit to the uh, the exhibit, the gallery showing that you've got going on. Yeah. So what, what can people expect if they pull up to that? What's that going to be like? Well, it's going to be at the four-time project from June 4th to June 18th. And um, there's going to be uh, all the canvases that were made for the book. So it's 34, 16 by 20 um, canvases. Mm -hmm. Some of them are doubles because they're page spreads. But um, they're all going to be up on display. And there's going to be an auction to uh, to sell them. 
Oh, cool. And and you mentioned it was uh, for uh, a fundraiser? Yes. Um, the proceeds of the, the canvases and the first 1,000 books are going to benefit the Echo Food Shelf in Mankato, Minnesota. That's great. That's really cool. Um, they're very colorful. One was one of the things that I noticed. Like, uh, it was, <laughs> maybe this isn't a compliment so much as a criticism, but I hope it comes off as a compliment. Um, but it was like almost difficult to focus on the words because the, <laughs> the pictures were just like so pleasant to look at. You know, I, I really got lost in that. It's very nice. And I, sometimes I think as far as how I used to enjoy books when I was a kid, I always il- enjoyed the illustrations way more than I enjoyed the mm. stories. So that's always more primary to me than, I mean, if a kid can sit there and stare at the images forever, eventually they'll probably go and enjoy the story. But they're going to, the first thing that a kid's mm. going to latch on to are the pictures. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot there. Like, you know, going, going back at it, like I, I noticed some, like, there's like, other characters who aren't even mentioned in the text <laughs> who are just kind of around and there's some there's some like busy environments like there's some homes and city streets and stuff like yeah. that so there, there's a there's wonder there <laughs> certainly um so is is it any is it any coincidence going from um emberly getting supplies for his village to the the choice to do a food shelf yeah it's very related to that and i i mean i the whole idea behind the, what this was to do a benefit for the food shelf because I've I've had to use it in the past, and it's something that I think is really important to the community, and so I always wanted to make the story kind of related to food or needs in that in that fashion. In fact, one of the earlier drafts, this story was about an ant and a giant sandwich that he had to share, but it that you know that kind of went out the way. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds, that like sounds a pretty good time. cool too, actually <laughs> doesn't sound very bad for the ant yeah <laughs> uh, that's interesting um you you do can we talk about that a little bit more about the, the food shelf sure. stuff um i imagine that there's a bit of a, a stigma around um getting food from from a, a food shelf like that um i'm wondering if you could talk at all about either your experience or like um, w- what you might have taken from from that. Uh. Um, it when I had to use the food shelf, it was I was going through some economical troubles myself. Mm-hmm. I had three kids, um, you know, I had partial custody with, and I was trying to get my feet on the ground after some bad luck and some bad choices, and. Uh, when I used the food shelf, it was just, I, it, it saved my bacon in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always very grateful every time I was able to use it. And I've always wanted to be able to repay that in some fashion. Mm. That's, yeah. That's, um, it's a really important thing. I know less about it than I'd like, but I'm... Uh, aware of Echo and the the important role it plays in this community, I think that there's, I, I know some folks who who donate uh, time and, and money there, and um, it's it's very important that those sorts of things are are continued and, and supported in, in the ways that make absolutely. sense. Absolutely, absolutely, and just especially with this past year, with the way things have been, mm. and just I mean, it, food is such a basic need. If your family doesn't have food, then you're I mean, it's it's impossible to function if you're not mm-hmm. well fed. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's like you have a million problems until you're either sick or hungry, and then you've got mm. one problem. Exactly. Mm. What was the process of organizing with them like? Was it just kind of like you're putting together a single donation, or <laughs> is it? Well, it I I didn't really approach them initially, and it was just kind of like I figure I'd just say, hey, do you guys mind if I do this and say I'm giving them? I mean, just because I. I, I personally don't care about the, you know, whatever else, but I fear people are more likely to buy the books if they know it's going towards, mm-hmm. you know, the food shelf. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, kids, that's the whole thing is it's like, it, it is, it's a kid's book. Um, so it, I, I actually don't know how kids books are marketed, you know, <laughs> like you, you, like you have all the classics yeah, and then beyond that, like, I just know that it's good to have a lot of them kind oh, of. Oh yeah, right? definitely. The books are, I mean, you can never have too many books. And as far as marketing is concerned, it's not something I'm strong at doing. Um, so that's, I mean, that's why I'm selling them local. <laughs> Mostly I do sell some books on Amazon and these will be available online to, for sale as well. Um, however, these are, I mean, it's mostly going to be, um, having them in local businesses or, you know, word of mouth, lots of web presence, obviously. uh, If you want to, if you want to, we can like show a couple, or if you want to show a couple Mm -hmm. like frames from the book, we can just bring it up on there. If you want (laughs) to give folks the pitch a little bit, cause I I don't, I don't want to like, you know, open it up, but like showing people some of the examples of like the creatures and the world building. Oh yeah. Here we go. So, um, okay. So here is the, well, you can see, or which camera am I looking at here? We're, oh, right there. Okay. Right there. All right. Um, so here we've got the main character of the book. He's, uh, climbing up onto his flurf who is, you know, getting ready for the big journey. He's got his family here in his little village and, uh, they're all wishing him well. Um, Things have not gone well. There's been a bad storm, and stuff is. Things are getting close to winter, so they really got to get their stuff together. So he's got to, he's got to run off into the world and um, uh, kind of, you know, get on his mission. Um, but yeah, he goes into the city, and um, there's this little creature he finds along the way that he has to kind of make a choice with. He can either help the creature, or else he can book it and get his his job done they ask it done and uh let's see yeah so that that was one of my favorite ones oh the city yeah oh, i, I yeah. love i love the city market it, it like <laughs> reminds me a little bit of of uh like uh coming into one of the star wars environments oh yeah in one of yeah. the original yeah. star yeah. wars films i'd be lying if those if i said those weren't uh influence as well but uh lots of i mean the 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 big thing with this story is i like I have a very short attention span, but I love painting like just weird things, <laughs> just weird, one, weird environments and creatures. I was remembering that creature. Is that one the floof on the right too, or is that a different creature? Oh, that's a that's the same species as as the main character. Oh, okay. She's, she rides the sun. The there's this. So that that's from the, the the middle part. There's like a an altercation that happens in the middle yes. of the book. So yeah. those are the same people. Yep. Okay. Yep. That that makes sense because yep. that that was kind of like my one question. I was like, <laughs> is that that's the same person? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 run into each other and. They have a little altercation, and um, but uh, yeah, it's that's fun. Yeah, Such yeah, and there, there is there is there is a there's a moral to the story. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, there's there's a little there's a little something to be learned. <laughs> we covered it before the show too, but I think that um, the uh, uh, fast uh, care is faster than I think care is faster than speed. Is yep. The, here. Yep. I'm grab that back. It's my copy. There you go. <laughs> Get your own. <laughs> but yeah, um, the the title "Faster Than Speed" is based off of um, kind of an ongoing theme in the story, which is care is faster than speed. That is to say. You can do something quickly and have to redo it a half a dozen times because you screwed up the first time, or else you can take the time to do it right the first time. And it, I mean, it'll take you a little longer, but at least you won't have to redo it a bunch of times. Yeah. That sounds like a, something that can only be learned from trial and error, maybe. Yes, very much so. Well, I, I think <laughs> it, it kind of makes me want to want to know how, how many how much time you spent in, in sketching these things before you got to actually painting with the acrylic? Well, that's just it. I, I, I planned everything out. I plotted it out. Cause like I said, I was trying to figure out some way to give my life a little bit of structure in the free fall I was going through. And, um, and then, so I, I gave myself, I think a week and a half to sketch. I went through a, like I said, a lot of drafts of the story. And then once I was comfortable with the sketches, then I, started work on the canvases and those those took about five months wow and so did you have like the models of the creatures or were you still kind of like working from concepts in your mind when you Mm. were doing the acrylic um i had them all pretty well sketched out there are a few minor changes that i made as i went but mostly the the creatures were all pretty well drawn out Mm. another another one of the, the questions that i is i couldn't figure out um like, how, like, are, am I as tall as, 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 <laughs> that's the big question, isn't it? Um, well, it's, it's, it's not earth as, or at least it's not this earth anyway. Um, I do have in my author illustration at the end, I, it's me sketching one of the creatures from a distance, but it's, it's still not totally clear what the scale is. Um, I'd like to leave that to the imagination of the, it worked because I was like, I'm either much smaller or much larger. <laughs> And I don't know which one it is. <laughs> and I did, I did intentionally put some some elements in the illustrations to make you kind of wonder every once in a while where it'll it does kind of like you've got some areas where the trees are gigantic and you've got some places where there's kind of stuff in the distance that should be a lot bigger than it is. So it just it makes you kind of yeah wrap your brain around. I it. mean, it's good for your imagination because it, it makes you wonder. So I, right. I like that 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 it adds appeal to a children's (laughs) book in my mind. If it like sparks wonder in any way. Mm -hmm. That connect that with the, uh, Oh man, I feel like I had a good idea there. My bad. Anyway, with uh, the, the colors and the depth to the, to the story, I think that there's a lot there to be discovered. Um, and with a children's book, like if it gets picked up more than once, that's, that's wonderful, I suppose. And so giving, giving that, um, further depth for someone to discover. Absolutely. Like, I, if I can get, if I can lure a kid to look at a book, uh, like enough where the kid just sits there and stares at it for just for fun. Yeah. Then they're, they're getting out of books what I got when I was a kid. And that's mm. really what I'm going for. That's I don't remember having any science fiction children's books growing up. And like my, my dad was a big Trek fan. Like mm. he was like, I remember watching like Star Trek growing up all the time and like being 
exposed to science fiction stuff. I don't think I ever had a science fiction kids book that I can remember. Well, I didn't really have kids books so much, but I don't know if you remember in the 80s and 90s, there were the Terran Trade Authority books. They're like Space Wreck or um, Space War. and They're just these big coffee table books. And they were full of um, paintings that artists had done for like, well, for sci-fi books, but then they're like these elaborate oil and acrylic paintings. And then they wrote a story to kind of link them all together. At, hmm. If if you saw them, you'd probably recognize them because they used to be in libraries all the time hmm. when we were kids. But yeah, it, the, like I said, this very in-depth, like gorgeous paintings. Hmm. I suppose they used to have to make make something. It, it was actually just yesterday I saw. Um, it, I, it was it was somewhere on social media, but it it was the frame from um, one of the Star Wars films where they it was it was one of the the empire scenes and it was the painting that had been done on like a shower door that was used as the matte background for the scene so it's like uh there's like all these soldiers uh they're they're stormtroopers and it was one of the y wings or mm. and uh it it was just it was they zoomed in on it so you could see how like clearly it was like a matte acrylic painting as oh, well. Oh yeah, I, t- I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I I don't actually I'm I'm misnaming the ship. It's not a Y wing. It's the uh, shuttle. Uh, it's got a specific name, but yeah, it's a mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and I was I I've seen that scene probably 15 times, and I never knew that that was a painting. And oh, I yeah. I bet you there's just so much of that like media that exists where you know we utilize painters in a completely yeah. different way from yeah. that time period especially star trek with the way they use matte paintings on the like the next generation and all that and just this amazing artwork that you wouldn't even think it oh yeah that's that's a painting mm-hmm. yeah i think it's some of that i mean a lot of the stuff that goes into video is kind of like the more i don't know how people it doesn't get lumped in with fine art the same way that you know, like yeah. something that would get hung in a gallery or museum does. Which is why I kind of hesitate to call myself an artist. Um, I like the idea of illustrator more, just because it seems like it's a little more all-encompassing. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't think of matte painters as fine artists or um, children's book illustrators. I mean, there, there's some exceptions, obviously, but like you uh, look at. Um, uh, Oh gosh, I can't think of his name. The guy who did um, Frog and Toad. Oh, I but, should know that name but too. But I mean, they're they're gorgeous illustrations, but you you wouldn't see them hanging in the Louvre. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose not. Well, <laughs> it's crazy because it's they're 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 everywhere. You know. Yeah. You you it it. I would probably I would be more honored to know that my painting you know hung in the homes of you know like the shelves of the homes. Oh of, yeah. You know like. 10% of the world yeah. than knowing that, you know, it was one in the Louvre that people <laughs> travel to see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which one's better. I can't remember the name of the, the guy who did it anyways. <laughs> I'll think of it after the interview, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. One of the other uh, projects we heard you were involved in was a creation of a, of a zine. Yes. You know what? Crap. <laughs> 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 yeah um and that and that's the the name of it not a disc <laughs> yeah it, it can be both <laughs> no it's uh yeah it's the this past couple of years have, have been a little tough mm. and um uh in 2019 i 
needed to find a creative project to focus on. So I started um, putting together a little, a, a little fanzine, a little magazine that um, I could produce myself without having to, you know, bring in anyone else or something I could just do it all on my own and uh, produce by myself without sending off to a copy shop or something. So I made these mm -hmm. little cut and paste um, magazines. They're little short stories and comic strips and stupid drawings. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I put them together all with, I did all the text with a typewriter. I did all the illustrations by hand. Mm -hmm. um, I color, I mean, I, I, I shaded everything by hand. I had little, like the little transparency sheets to do half tones. Um, and then I, I literally assembled them all on a, a, I had a home photocopier and uh, booklet them all myself and left them around town in Mankato and the cities and just pretty much any place that would let me leave them behind and a few places that I probably would appreciate if I hadn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's just something, it, it was literally just, it was stuff that was sticking in my head that I wanted to say or I, it was just striking me as funny at the time and it was literally crap. It's just hmm. stuff that I took in and kind of, dropped without really thinking about too much beyond that hmm. i caught one at the uh at the coffee hag one time and um is is fun to come across in that format like i had obviously no expect expectations of of uh reading anything when i showed up yeah but uh it was a pleasant pleasant short read i don't remember the specifics of what what was covered but i think um there there might have been some nudity and a little <laughs> bit of uh a little, little bit of inappropriateness which oh, was yeah, they're, fun. They're, they're, they weren't um, family fair <laughs> um but uh yeah it just it, it in it, the the title was kind of an exclamation and it was also kind of to let any reader know that they shouldn't have high expectations when they go into this um uh, probably makes them more excited to pick it up though yeah. too it's like so, yeah it's a weird experience coming across design too because you like it's there for you and it's not it's not for sale mm -hmm. it just, it's something just you pick there up. Yep. you know and i think i think some that's like hard for some I, i'm pretty sure there's a couple of them sitting at the wine cafe oh so. yeah yeah and um yeah there's there's one particular one I, i'd like always like to see that she just started doing hers again oh a little yeah, while Beth, ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah with the buff zine yep hers are awesome I, and mm -hmm. i just it, i love going to a Someplace if I'm traveling or if I, you know, stop in a coffee shop or something like that and I see him lying around, I always grab one because I love seeing stuff like that. It just kind of adds to the atmosphere of the, where you're at and it gives you kind of a little taste of the people that are around. Mm -hmm. And it's unpredictable. It's, like, you don't, there's no distribution. Yep. Like, the only, the only way is to come upon it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like you're finding a magical artifact or something. Yeah, it could be exactly. anything. You know, it might turn you into a, a frog. It might give you superpowers. You never know. It's like it, a real world Easter egg. Exactly. Precisely. That's cool. Well, and and um, they're certainly not easy to make. Like they they probably take a lot of time. Yep. Um, and energy and uh, and it could be easy to see that experience and be like, oh yeah, it's not gonna make me money <laughs> or whatever. So it's I'm very impressed that it's something it's people a labor do of love. and able to push out it's cool yeah glad that stuff like that exists and that people create that sort of Definitely. thing has 
has most of your output always been um, in the form of paintings or these uh, like a book pamphlet type things? Like before you were working on either of these projects, um, like what what was your first kind of like foray into the arts world? Um, I guess there's there a long period where I just I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life, and then I kind of like I said I fell in with some people that were artists, and they kind of encouraged me, and um, I started doing some stuff for festivals so like i just get like a booth at an art fair and and put stuff up and sell my paintings for ridiculously low amounts of money and um mostly just to feed my ego but it's you know it's something to go out and do and feel like i'm doing something constructive and um you know and at the time i was thinking oh like now i can call myself an artist and i don't i feel like i'm doing something with my life but Mm -hmm. um but no, it's yeah, and then I started trying to find other ways to do stuff with it. There were a couple of um I did a couple art shows where I sold the paintings um and then donated the proceeds to like the um the, the benches, the mm-hmm. the um, animal shelter. shelter, yeah. And just like I said, it just it's something that make me feel like I'm doing something with my time that's that might be helping somebody or some, even if they're they see my paintings at a fair because they tend to be kind of weird and if it makes someone kind of stop and think for a second that oh that's that's a weird thing to think and then they move on and maybe they'll remember it maybe they won't but mm-hmm. what what are the is the mark of a I, I was gonna say good but i don't want to use that word what's the mark of an interesting piece of artwork in your in your eyes um, something that makes you feel anything. I mean, it, it, and again, saying the good or bad thing is, isn't always a good indication yeah. because, I mean, I love Bob Ross, but you see his paintings, you think, oh yeah, that's beautiful. But then you, mm. then you gotta move on. Um, or like a Thomas Kincaid or something other, it's a gorgeous painting and it's technically well done, but it doesn't make you feel anything. But then you see something like um, the scream, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's a feeling right there. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if you, you you see like a landscape or a um, mm. or an architectural painting where it makes you feel like you're in that space, and it gives you a certain feeling. And I mean, maybe a Thomas Kincaid painting will make you feel that you're sitting in a beautiful sunlit garden or something like that. So in that case, yeah, that's good art, I guess. So hmm. that, that reminded me of my first experience like being in an art gallery kind of by myself and that's where I I think I learned that art was something I could appreciate beyond just like understanding at at a very basic level Mm. when you like look at something I guess maybe in previous experiences I'd just been forced to to participate or something but like being there by myself and having the opportunity to like spend the amount of time I wanted to spend with a piece was like uh it was also a pretty cool gallery in Madrid, so that might have had something to do with it. <laughs> but like, really, just there were pieces that really stood out um, that I couldn't describe what was different about them from the one next to it necessarily. Um, but it really made you think or feel a different way than some of the other ones did. Um, and I, I guess I don't know how to describe that more, but it's like a, something unique about art that that can really speak to you or uh, connect with some of your, the human emotions that we, that we have going around and they can kind of like 
clarify something for you. It kind of like reaches out and grabs you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that wasn't a question, I guess. Just to <laughs> I think that same thing happened with the Norman Rockwell in the bathroom of the dentist's office. So I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be a, be looking at a, a blob of red paint on a white field, and if that um, makes you feel something, then mm-hmm. then it, then it's it it is the intent, and yeah. that that can change over time, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Which it which is kind of you know you, I I wonder you know how the something something like a rockwell is gonna look in 60 years from now yeah Um, i mean even now it's like (laughs) we don't live in that america yeah and it could be argued that america ever actually existed but yeah it's it does make you feel something it 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 makes you feel nostalgic and now it does i mean and like you said another 50 years like people it could be completely alien to what someone could even be looking at why is the kid looking with that weird look on his face while he gets his, his haircut or something, you know, or why are all these people sitting at a table while this guy carries a turkey around? Why, why is it even a thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Cool. Well, uh, should we, wh- why don't, why don't we cover where, let's pl- let's plug the show again okay. and, uh, and we can, we can head it that direction. Um, so you're, you're going to be showing the works from this book at the four ton project yep. and that's going to be July, uh, June 4th June, through June 18th, June 4th through the 18th. Yeah. Um, the bidding is going to be, um, online and I'll have sheets at the, at the show itself. Okay. But, um, it's just, it's a silent auction essentially. Um, the prices will be on each, um, painting as it, as it is. And the books, the books are currently for sale. Like you can get them. Yes. Um, uh, you, Where you do get, people find them? Um, people can either email me directly. I've got a Facebook presence. Um, if you go to jpmackey.com, I've got everything there as well. Um, I am going to be having these around local businesses, so keep an eye out. Um, you know, I'm going to try all coffee shops, some bars, some bookstores, probably. Um, just. Any place that'll let me, kind of like with my zines, any place to let me have them out and will take the money for me, then that's where I'll have them. That's great. Well, uh, any anything else? Any other plugs we want to do? Any shout outs? <sighs> Nothing off the top of my head. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show to share your uh, your project and experience. And Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank, uh, beautiful artwork. Beautiful. Very fun. Very fun characters and <laughs> scenes to see so appreciate thank that thank you in in bars and coffee shops near you maybe yes with any luck cool all right <laughs> thank you thank you thanks for tuning in you can find show notes for this in every episode at triplefalls.org mm-hmm.